0: Well, today is January 22nd, 2017. The title of today's sermon is Impure, Purposeless, and Impotent. Uh (laughs) Sounds exciting, huh? (laughs) All of our guests are like, I thought we were here for a baptism service. Yes, yes you are. Don't worry about that. We will get to that. If everyone will turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 1. If you're not used to being in a church at all, we welcome you today. We anticipate that you will feel and see some things different than you have. If you are used to being in a church and you have a church home, but it's just not here, I anticipate that you will see and feel some things maybe different than you do in your church. But what we are a church of is as you felt, as you've already sensed, uh, we're a church that is deeply dedicated to the Spirit of God. And we are deeply dedicated to the Word of God. So we're going to hear from the law, prophets, and writings, every major section of the Bible today, to help instruct our hearts. Amen? Second Timothy chapter 3, there. starting in verse 1. Tell me there when you're there. there. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. You know what that word for terrible there? It's uh, referencing violent and fierce Fierce has come to mean a lot of things depending on what section of our town that you go to. But violent and fierce. These are terrible days that we have. People will be lovers of themselves. Yeah, I've never seen anyone like that. Lovers of money. Boastful. Proud. Abusive. Alright, I need all the youth to listen up to this one. Disobedient to their parents. Uh Wurrow. Ungrateful unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, Now this is the summation statement right here. Having a form of godliness but denying the power. Have nothing to do with them. You know what? You could look at that list of things and it's easy to see it in our our everyday society. Wherever you may go, however you may think of our peaceful transition of power that has just taken place in our nation's capital, whether you're for or against what's happening, I can assure you that what we do not, what the solution that we need is not a different political party. It's not a different commander in chief. Because the problem is, is this is the heart of our people. This is our heart if we're not careful. If we don't allow God to move in us, we are impure, we are purposeless, and we are impotent. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. We want to look right on the outside, but the truth of God is far from our hearts. The scripture clearly says right here have nothing to do with that. Have nothing to do with them. If we're around a group of people who is constantly this way, you know what happens? Well, well, Pastor, I'm going to go and I'm going to help pull them up. Really? Hey, Amen. Well, then that's a mission. And you can be a missionary in that case. But you know what happens more often than not to us? We try to do it in our own strength and we don't pull someone out of the mud. What happens to us? We slip right down in the mud. The answer for it is that we must walk in purity. That we must walk in purpose. And that we have to walk in power. If you are not doing that, if our churches aren't doing that, if your church isn't doing that, then the Bible says we should have nothing to do with it. Would you turn with me to Exodus chapter 19? The truth is, is today I, uh, with, a, with a baptism service, I had many thoughts. I, I did hours of study over the last few days. I've looked historically at records of what uh, the mikvah was in the Older Testament in the Hebrew. I studied out its roots all the way through Scripture I've studied the historical roots of baptism. I've I've really worked hard to be prepared for today. You know what I found out? That I could have such a treaty, such a a teaching on baptism that it would be crushing. I can give you all kind of information that say you should be baptized. How about we just all agree? Does everyone in here know that you should be baptized? If you don't, then we're going to have enough scripture that will convince you. But what today I am most interested in is having your heart that understands that you must walk in purity, in purpose, and in power. We're going to talk about what that kind of a baptism looks like. You heard it from Pastor Eric. The kind of baptism that we are talking about, not worrying about a theological type, is that you be fully immersed. I know there are many doctrines in a room like this where you grew up. We sprinkled here. Well, we, we poured water here. Well, we immersed here. Let me, let me tell you, Uh, For the purposes of today, there's no other way to be baptized in what God has for you except that you be fully immersed in what He's doing. Amen? In other words, there's no half-heartedness that can go on. Let's take a look at Exodus chapter 19. And we're going to start in verse 10. And the Lord said to Moses, you know, the Lord had been speaking to Moses for several chapters now. For those of you who come here and you come on a Monday night to our foundations, you understand. Let me just walk through this with you to get you the context of this scripture. In Exodus 12, everybody say Exodus 12. Exodus 12. There's the Passover. They had to offer the blood of a lamb so that the death angel would pass over those who were marked by that blood. In chapter 13 of Exodus, there's a, uh, a feast that God tells them to do of unleavened bread. So they had to come under the blood. And then they had to purify their own hearts. Chapter 14, we see the nation of Israel walking through the Red Sea. Hopefully most of you are familiar with this story. The Lord rolled back the waters of the Red Sea as Moses put out his staff. And they walked through on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and a wall of water on the left. In 1 Corinthians 10, it says that this is the nation being baptized. It compares that act as the entire nation being baptized in that day. In Exodus chapter 15, we see that the people of God are starting to get their purpose. The Lord starts to speak to them and give them a a seed form of what becomes our understanding of the cross and the nation of Israel reaching the rest of the nations of the world. So we see them having to learn how to walk in purity under the blood, getting rid of sin, into baptism by water. We see them finding their purpose in Exodus 15. And in Exodus 19, we start to see the very power of God come upon them. And the Lord said to Moses, go. Everybody say go. Go, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. To consecrate means to cleanse. Have them wash their clothes. They're supposed to have a mikvah in this case. They're supposed to have a baptism in this case of cleansing and be ready by the third day, because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Amen. Can you imagine this, guys? Are you all y'all with me here? There's a whole nation that God's talking to. They've, been, they've come out of slavery 400 years. If I say 400 years. 400 years. 400 years of slavery that they were in Egypt, mistreated, abused, and they came out. And the Lord says, Hey, be ready, because I'm going to show up in your midst in the sight of all people. What I love about my church, what I love about this church, is we're saying that that same power, we want it to be evident to all of us today. It's not something secretive. Well, pastor, I mean, I know you're supposed to say these things, but in my life, I feel like my faith is a very personal thing. It's never been designed to be just a personal thing. It's always designed that we are supposed to be on display. If He comes in full power and came to the earth in full vision so that all, men, all mankind could see Him, could experience Him, then to do, for us to do anything less, we're not replicating the example that we've seen in Him. We are not walking in purity or in purpose or in power. Take a look at verse 14. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and washed their clothes... You know what the, the word uh, clothes in the Bible, the idea of clothes, it always represents your deeds. In the Bible, when you look at it, it's always trying to speak to you about more than just the outer garment, but rather what deeds that you have clothed yourself with. Um, this is about as good as the fashion as I can get. I'm sorry. I know some of you are obviously in here, you're very skilled at fashion. This guy is not. Right? I don't, I don't have much in this area, but you know what I do know? Is that as believers... It's not just the name brand that we wear on our, on our shirts. It's not the style of the shoe that we have. It's the name that we carry that has marked our very deeds. Amen. If we have the name of Jesus Christ on us, it should be apparent to all. If I have to go around and tell you that I'm a believer, well, maybe that works in the first 10 seconds that we know each other. But if you get around me enough, you should know that I'm a believer. Yeah. Why? Because I'm smart? Nope. I would fail that test real quick. No, but because my deeds, what you will see in me is the love of Christ and my deeds that confirm that I love Him and therefore I obey everything that He tells me to do. You'll see it. You'll see a distinction upon me as if I had the most stylish outfit available. Verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder... And lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. (laughs) They had to get pure. They had to consecrate themselves and wash themselves. And they realized that they are God's people. He was clarifying their purpose. And then he wanted to come and meet with them to grant him his power. This is exactly the same process that we have to go through. You know, as I was thinking about this, let's turn to Numbers chapter 14. We are still in the law. We're going to look at Numbers chapter 14. (laughs) I was blown away by this this morning. Uh, we're, We're going to get to reading about a man named Caleb, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I was blown away in context today. Let's take a look at Numbers chapter 14 and let's start in verse 21. Say there when you're there. There. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth. This is the Lord replying. Nevertheless, as surely as I live, as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one. Everybody say, no one. No one. You know, I studied this in the Hebrew this morning, and you know what no one means? It means no one. (laughs) It means exactly what you think it would mean. There's no hidden word here that actually doesn't mean exactly what it says. It means no one, not one of them, verse 23, will ever see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Can I encourage you today? If we treat the Lord with contempt in our actions if we treat the Lord with contempt by our indifference, if we treat the Lord with contempt by our silence, if we treat the Lord with contempt in any way, he who does not change will have the same answer for us as he did as he was instructing Caleb here. No one who has treated me with contempt will see the promised land, will see those things that the Lord has promised. Verse 24, but, everybody say but. but. What a great word. I mean the con- the in here. <laughs> what a great word. That means everything that I just said is true because it's Scripture. But it's trying to perk up your ear. It's trying to cause you to pay attention. To, hey, psst, Hey, come on, pay attention. This is all absolutely true, but let me give you even better news. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit... And follows me wholeheartedly. The Lord is giving us a formula here, if you will. He's given us the instructions to know how not to be counted in the first group, but rather be counted in the second group. I don't have to ask you which group you'd rather be counted in <laughs> those who never get to see Him or those who get the blessings of God. Well, of course. Our whole society is built on that fact, right? We want to, we want to have the good, we don't want to have the bad. What does it require to receive from the Lord? It requires us that we have a different spirit. Is that right, yes, sir. A different spirit. You ever met somebody with a different spirit? Yes. Yeah. I mean, good or bad. Yeah. Somebody who comes and you just don't quite know what to do with them. They start talking to you and you're like, I don't know whether I like you or not in the moment. You're just different. They, they speak differently. They think differently. They, they interact with you differently and you're trying to go, is this a good different or is this a bad different? But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. Different from what? What we read in Exodus 19, we saw the very power of God move upon a nation. He visited them with fire that fell onto a mountaintop that you can actually see in a certain part of the world today a mountain that has a singed top on it because the fire of God fell. It was only Caleb and Joshua that made it in from the entire nation of people, the ones who were under the blood in Passover, the ones who partake of unleavened bread to get rid of the sin in their life, the ones who walk through the waters of baptism, the ones who found the purpose from God. There was two, everybody say two. Two. two from a nation that got to enter into the promised land, Joshua and Caleb. I'm going to tell you today, wherever you are from, I can encourage you that today you need a different spirit. I'm not sure if we we all get this picture here. What is it? Is it attributed to Albert Einstein to do the same thing over and over and expect a different outcome as a definition of insanity? Right? And yet our churches have done this nonstop. We want to keep doing the same things, and hey, I tell you what, let's go ahead and add some lights and smoke. You know why? Because we have a form of godliness and we don't have the power moving, so we gotta kinda of, we gotta kinda of drum up some excitement for you. Y'all are part of a church, and I know that today's gonna to be a great day because power trips off in the middle of our worship. <laughs> you know what would happen in most churches if that happened? Silence. (laughs) Sorry. What happened here? You realize how loud everyone else was singing around you? Pastor, the power didn't cut off during our worship service. (laughs) The electricity did. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Had too much power, the other kind of power at work here. We need a different spirit about us. We need to be a group of people that decide that half-hearted measures will not do. Uh, we're going to tip the Lord. We're going we're to have Jesus be a part of our life and maybe even important, but He's just one on the list that we do. We have uh, health insurance. We have car insurance. So we figure we'll have some church insurance. Or back when I was growing up, we used to call it fire insurance. All right? I don't want to see the fires of hell, so I guess I should go to church. If you have a half-hearted commitment to the Lord like that, you show contempt for the one who made us. You show Him that you have no desire to walk in purity in your purpose and you definitely don't understand how to walk in power. We show contempt. It's not that we have an issue. It's not that just this is how you were raised. We call it in our generation, well, I have an issue. No, no, you have sin at work in your life. Well, I'm Irish, so I have a temper. If you're Irish in here, praise God. We've got lots of nationalities here, right? That's no excuse for the sin going on in your life. Don't we all want to do that? That's what Adam did in the garden. He says, the Lord confronts him. He's like, oh, it wasn't me. It was the wife. The Lord talks to the wife. It wasn't me. It was the snake. From the beginning of mankind, this is our... I don't have to ask you if this is what you do. Because we all do it. This is human nature. It's not my fault. It's theirs. Well, see, Pastor, I'd be more committed to the Lord. But back when I was a kid, somebody in church, they hurt me. Well... Do not treat the Lord with contempt because of something that has happened to you in your past. It's just an excuse. One day when we stand before the king of kings, like Adam, do you realize that his diverting of blame to Eve, it didn't fix anything? It's not like the Lord went, oh, okay, and diverted from him. Oh, it's just the serpent, okay. What does he do? He curses the serpent then he tells the woman about her problems, and then he tells the man about his problems. He took care of all of it. I can assure you, if someone wronged you in the past, I can assure you that the God of all creation will take care of that. But if you sin as a result of that, I can assure you that the God of all creation will take care of you too. What we want today is us to have a realization that unless we have put our faith and our hope in Him, we stand condemned already. You're not here being a good person who just hasn't yet put their faith in God. You stand here being a person who is eternally separated from God until you quit treating Him with contempt and wholeheartedly, with a different spirit, follow Him. There's no in-between that we have here. Well, I'm a pretty good guy. That's because you're measuring yourself by yourself. I am the perfect height. It's because uh, (laughs) I'm using myself. As the measurement, no. We've got to have our standard be exactly what the scripture says, exactly what God says. Let's look back here at Caleb, in Numbers fourteen, verse twenty-four. But because my servant will, um, with Caleb, has a different spirit. No half measures. That's why when we get out here, we're going to have a, a trough that we're going to have, and we're going to put it as close to the road as we can get it in the parking lot, filled with regular old tap water. You know why? Because we want it to be public. We want to show that we're fully immersing ourselves into God's plan. No half-hearted measures for us. Pastor, couldn't we do this inside? That's a half-hearted measure in our book. Couldn't we do this in a more private way? Um, Pastor, is the water going to be heated? (laughs) Only by whatever the sun can do between now and then. (laughs) If you're more worried about the temperature of the water than you are the temperature of your soul, You've missed it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. You know the, the thing about wholehearted is even if you're at 98%, whew, sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Is that wholehearted yet? You know what the word there for wholehearted it combines a couple of words in the Hebrews, in the Hebrew language, but one of the words is male. Would you guys turn to Genesis chapter 1? Wow. Rob's excited today. Man, he got there quick. He's got family here. He, he wants to make sure that he's acting right. We need y'all here more often than that because get him where he needs to be. I love it. Genesis chapter 1. Let's look at verse 28. Caleb had a different spirit and was wholehearted. In Genesis 1:28, are you there? Yes. Get to the beginning and then turn a few pages. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. The word for fill there is male. It's the same word that the Lord uses when He's speaking about Caleb. Wholehearted and fill. Well, how, do, how does that work? The word male is, means to replenish. Everybody say replenish. replenish. It means to fill. Everybody say fill. fill. It means to complete. Everybody say complete. complete. It means to satisfy. Everybody say satisfy. satisfy. You know, that what we're supposed to come in and do, our assignment, our purpose, the purpose of mankind is seen here in what God told Adam. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Complete, replenish, fill it, satisfy the earth, and then subdue it. Rule over it. Keep it in order. Put things in right order. That is the purpose of mankind. So when God is saying Caleb has a different spirit, he's talking about he's giving him a power to achieve the very thing that God created us all to do pastor that's great all the way back to genesis what does that mean for your life are you fruitful and increasing are you filling the earth how do i how do i fill the earth this is part of our purpose how are we going to fill the earth how are we going to replenish the things around us how are we going to make right the things that are around us if we can't make right the things that are in our own hearts if the list that we read to start the day, if you can see your own heart in some of these things that we read, if you can see your own heart and realize that maybe even you've had a form of godliness, but you've denied the actual power of God, it's not enough for you to attend church. You have to be the church. The only way to be the church is to have the power of the Most High resting upon you. This same word in 1 Kings 8, when the... Temple is being dedicated. It says the presence of God filled the temple so much that people couldn't even do their work. They were actually... They could not move because God's presence had filled the room. It had wholly, completely filled the room. In Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah is getting a glimpse into the heavenlies, you know what else he finds out? That the heavens are also filled with the glory of God. So when we're talking about Caleb, that he's being wholehearted, it's not just that he's, uh, he's an excitable guy. It's that he had a different spirit about him which allowed him to walk in a wholeheartedness that the God of all creation said, this is someone that you should model your life after. This is something that you must do, but it's because of a different spirit and him being wholehearted. Would you turn to 2 Kings with me? 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 9. This is the story of Naaman. If you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard this story before. If you're new to our setting today, this may be a a very foreign story to you. I want to encourage everyone in the room. We're going to walk through this together. Let's not presume that we know what the story is. Let's actually walk through it and see what the Lord has for us to hear today. So Naaman, verse 9, went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Naaman had a problem. Naaman was a a warrior. He was a, a commander in armies. It actually says that the Lord used him to help bring victory to a certain kingdom. The problem was is that Naaman, with all of his skill, had leprosy. He had a terrible condition that, that was marking him. He was trying to cry out. He was trying to figure out what to do. One of his servants says, Hey, I've heard of a man. I've heard of a place where you can go and be healed. So Naaman, with his horses and chariots, they came and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him. Go. Everybody say go. Go. It's amazing. If God tells you something, there's always a go that's attached to it. When God speaks to people, if you think that God can speak to you and there's not a go, then you don't understand the Lord and perhaps you're treating Him with contempt. To think that He is there just to change the way that you think, to change the way that you feel, He's there to change your very nature. He is at changing your DNA That the old has been made new. That once was there is now, that once the man that once was dead is now alive. He's there to transform you, not modify your behavior. This is not a message of behavioral modification today. We're not saying if you go in the water today, what we're hoping is you get just a touch better. We're saying if you're not radically wrecked for the kingdom, The picture of baptism is that we're going to, just like we would live with Him, we're going to die and be resurrected again as a new human being. That's the picture. That's the symbology here. And today you're going to feel it. Those of you who are here, it is absolutely a a sacrament in the Christian faith. But you're also going to start and you're going to feel the very power of God because what we're doing here is not only a symbol... We're aligning our lives with this. And you're going to feel the very power of God here today. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Here's the way to get healed, Naaman. Thank you. Verse 11, But Naaman went away angry. Everybody say angry. Have ever been angry when somebody tells you something? Now, now some of you guys may be much better human beings than I am. There are times when I'm about ready to do something and my wife will tell me to do the thing that I was just about ready to do? I know! Don't tell me what... I was already going to do that! Makes me mad and it makes me not want to do it. I know y'all are much more mature than I am. But I'm about to go do this. And someone says, hey, can you do this? Yes! I will go do it. Naaman gets mad. He's the one that came to Elisha. He says, hey, I am, I've got leprosy. Please help me. Elisha, through a messenger, tells him what to do, and he gets angry. There are some times when the Lord himself will tell you something, and it'll make you angry. Are you saying that I'm not? Here's the instructions that you're supposed to do. Well, what are you trying to say? I just told you what it takes to get healed. Pastor, man, we love this church, but, you know, it's not that we don't like what you guys say. It's just sometimes we don't like how you say it. So you're getting angry for us for telling you the truth and what Scripture says? It shows a lot more about your heart and my heart than we want to admit. I thought. Uh, Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. So, so just in case you missed it, um, he's obviously already thought about this. And in his mind, he's created an entire scenario. Not that any of us ever do this. Not that any of us have the arguments with our boss or co-worker in our head that has never actually happened in real life. But in our head, man, I just tore them up. (laughs) Really? You didn't actually speak. (laughs) Naaman is mad because he's got these expectations in his mind. Well, surely the man of God would have come out. And then he would have said, and then I'd have been like, and then he'd have said... I thought he would come out. I, sh- I thought the man of God came out. Did, did Elisha come out? No, he sent a messenger. Naaman got mad at that. You're gonna s- you gonna know who I am? You going to send out some little flunky to talk to me? How dare you? Thought he was going to come out and what? Stand there, and give me a word, and wave his hand. Wave his hand over the spot. Mm-hmm. And cure me of leprosy. Ta-da! Really? Naaman is mad. It's, it's easy when we put it off on someone who lived a long time ago, right? Do you have certain expectations in your mind about the way the Lord should do something? And then you miss the clear instruction because you thought it would be something different? Yeah. Man, I, I, th- I thought church would, I thought going to church and serving God would be like this. I tried that church thing, Pastor. Man, I mean, I did. I mean, I really tried. One day, a long time ago, somewhere in a galaxy far, far away, I tried. But you see, the man of God on the stage didn't come down and love me right. They didn't wave their hand like in a hocus-pocus kind of magician thing going on. Yes, yeah, because that's not how God's going to work. Just because you think that it's supposed to be that way, uh, God is under no obligation to treat your life the way you think he ought to. It's like as if something that was being made out of clay, it's like the pot looking at the potter and saying, you didn't do this right. And yet we do it all the time. All the time. Let's keep reading the story. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. So it started off in anger, and we ended up in rage. Right? The more he thought about it... Have you ever... Come on now. Bible's real, right? You start off and you're a little angry. You start off and you're a little uh, disturbed. You're perturbed. And then you think about it a little bit more, and you get angry. Your blood pressure starts going up. And then what happens? You think about all the reasons... You want me to go to the Jordan? So first of all, we didn't hocus-pocus you the way way you thought we should. And then you don't like the location. And then you start being critical of everything. And the more you think about it, the more angry you get until you're just in a rage. You went from angry to in a rage. That's exactly what Naaman did. Verse 13, Naaman's servant went to him, (laughs) My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed, it's good to have people in our lives that go, Hey, why don't you calm down for a second? You're all mad at stuff. He just told you how to get better. Don't get, it. Don't get mad at the doctor for telling you you're overweight. That's not his fault. like getting mad at the doctor for telling you what you need to do to get healthy. Naaman's getting mad at the man of God who's actually telling him. (laughs) What a clear, simple word to him. Here's what you need to do. You need to go get pure and then you can find your purpose and then maybe you can walk in power. But let's see what Naaman does. So after this, in verse 14, he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Man, miracle. Powerful miracle. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know. <laughs> Duh. You had leprosy and now you don't. Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. We usually stop this story right out here because the man... Uh, He was struggling. He was angry and enraged. But he was actually obedient. And so God healed him anyway. Let's keep reading just a little bit more. He tries to offer Elisha a gift. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. Now whether Naaman had a good heart about this or that he was like the man in Acts chapter 8 who saw the anointing of God and tried to buy it for himself, It's hard to tell. Verse 17. But we know that Elisha did not want to give in. Uh, Your pastors here in this church are not after financial gain. We try to eschew financial gain at every turn. You know why? Because that's the last thing that we want to get this work confused with. We drive old cars. Some of them that have been given to us that we have to... Oh, well. That Baj has to work on all the time. (laughs) constantly because we see the example here set by Elisha don't you think that you can buy a working of the Lord verse 17 if you will not said Naaman please let me your servant be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the Lord sounds like we're doing good doesn't it verse 18 but if I say but okay there we are again May the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. We're either going to be wholehearted like Caleb or we're not. You're either going to go after God with all that you have or you're going to be like Naaman here and say, "Eh, I do have one thing. When my master enters the temple of Ramon to bow down and he is leaning on my arm and I bow there also, When I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Do you know what Naaman is saying? I know I came and I got mad at you. And then I broke out into a rage. And then I had to have someone else tell me to go do it and I went and did it. And now I realize that there's a God in heaven. Because I'm actually standing here healed. My, My skin has been purified. My outside has been made pure. But you know what he says in that statement? My inside is not yet pure. Because he says, I'm going to go back home and there's a temple to another God that I'm going to go into. And when my boss bows down to it, I also am going to bow down to it. He's telling it to him ahead of time. He's saying, um, could you put in a good word with the big guy upstairs? Can I be forgiven for this before I go and commit the sin? No, no you can't. You cannot, in fact, know that you're going to sin and have a sacrifice that you can make for that. No priest, no pastor, no rabbi, no holy man can tell you that it's okay to go and sin and you know that it's in your heart because you're already making excuses for it. Pastor, I know that I hear what you're saying. Purity, purpose, power. Amen. I like that. I'll remember that. Everybody say it with me. Purity. Purity. Purpose. Purpose. Power. Power. Come on. Yeah, but see, when you're talking about purity, Pastor, I already know in the back of my mind, I'm really hoping there's like an exemption for the whole purity thing. I mean, I know He's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. But the whole holy thing is a little overrated in our day and time. That whole holy thing is a little bit archaic for us, Pastor. I mean, come on. I mean, holy, what is holiness, right? Holiness is exactly the standard that God has. You can't plan on sinning and think that there is something for you. It's almost like, let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36. Amen. Ezekiel 36. Let's start at verse 24. Thank you, sweetie. Ezekiel thirty six, twenty four, and it says this for I will take you out of the nations. Everybody say, take you, take you out. And that what he did to Israel, took them out of Egypt, right? He's saying the same thing many, many years later. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Lord's Lord saying you have to walk in purity. I will give you a new heart. Everybody say new heart. heart. God is trying to illuminate His purpose to you. He's going to cleanse you so that you can walk in purity. He's going to give you a new heart so that you can understand your purpose and put a new spirit in you. Everybody say "New new spirit. We have to have a different, a new spirit in us. I will remove from you, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You have to have the Spirit of God in you. You have to have a new, the new Spirit of God in you so that you can even carry out his command. So that you can walk in purity, so that you can fulfill your purpose, you have to have the Spirit of God, so that you can be cleansed, walk in your purpose, and have His power. You know, uh, it reminds me of one of our one of our favorite Psalms, right? Uh, Psalms 23 is is a world known Psalm. Uh, Alicia read from us, I think, what in Psalm 63 or something this morning. Beautiful. You know, one of my favorite Psalms though is Psalm 51 creating me a clean heart. Right? Why? Because if you've been walking around at all, you know that your heart is not clean. We could go back to the customs of ancient times and talk about how everybody had to walk everywhere and they would get dirt on themselves. But the truth is, let's make this more practical for us. Our natural tendency, if you leave us by ourselves, is not to get more holy. The closer you are, to a service, the closer you are to knowing that something is important that's coming, we we try to, and we yearn, and we try to do something, and then after a while, the further away from an experience, a singular moment that we have, we fade out. For those of you who are believers, that passion that you felt when God saved you out of darkness and put you in the kingdom of light, that feeling that you had, that first day when you put your hands up in the air and God filled you with His Spirit and you spoke in other tongues and started prophesying and realized that there was power. Do you know what the idea is though? (laughs) Even that moment in our lives, we naturally drift. When He's saying that He wants to put His Spirit within us, you know what it is? We have to keep coming back to this well again and again and again and again. And again, if you've been filled with the Spirit, maybe today you need to be refilled with the Spirit. Was, is that theologically possible? Yes. It's actually necessary. I am not strong enough to go on one experience that I had when I was nine years old. Now, the rest of my life, I have everything that I need. You know what? I'm running back to the Lord every day. Lord, Lord, would you fill me again? Lord, would you speak to me again? God, would you help me again? I'm going to wear you out. Like, I feel like I shouldn't even be asking this. But the truth is, is real Christians go back more than anybody else. That's true. The real ones, the ones that are like Caleb, they run back to the Lord and say, Lord, purify me. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Lord, don't take away your Holy Spirit from me. That's the only thing that I got. I've got nothing else in this world unless that you're with me. I can't do this. Pastor can talk about purity and purpose and power, but the truth is I don't have any of it in my life. We've got to run to him and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. I can't create it in myself, Lord. I need you to create it in me. I can't even want to do it unless you're drawing me. To think that you and I can come to the Lord anytime we want as a non-believer I used to have the idea, well, I'll, 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 I'll come to Him later. Maybe tomorrow I'll get with the Lord. Maybe later. To think that you or I can come to the Lord without Him drawing us is scripturally inaccurate. And it shows a heart that shows contempt towards the God of all creation. You're going you're gonna to choose. If, if God is going to draw you today, you think that you have a choice? You, you think that you can look at him and go, eh, preacher wasn't good enough. That won't be on me. And for those of us who are believers, coming back to him and saying, Lord, fill me again today. Lord, do something in me today. Lord, move in me today. Lord, create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. And don't take your, your Holy Spirit away from us. Let's turn to Titus as we turn to the New Testament. Titus, chapter 3. Let's start in verse 3. Titus 3, 3. At one time, <laughs> we too were foolish disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. (laughs) Folks, if you can't look at that and see and be honest with yourselves, this is one of the things I love about Scripture. It just says actually what's in the heart of mankind. At one time, we too were foolish. Anybody in here ever been foolish? Ever? Ever been disobedient? Disobedient to who? Yeah, it doesn't matter. If you've got to ask that question, the answer is yes. (laughs) Deceived. You know what the hard part about being deceived is? Is if you're deceived, you don't know it. (laughs) That's the problem. You can be deceived and think that you're okay. That actually shows that you're deceived. We have to have the Lord come in and illuminate these things to us. Enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Whether you're in high school, whether you're in middle school, whether you're an adult, whether you got kids, whether you're single. If we're truthful with ourselves, we've been enslaved by all kinds of passions. All kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy. Wow. Malice. We have we have bad intentions towards other people. We live in envy. Man, if only I had that car. If only I had that house. If only I had that thing. If only I had that life. Being hated and hating one another. Again, I'm I'm intentionally not trying to get into politics today. But to have 200 plus people arrested for rioting. Not protesting, they're rioting. The the thought of it is this. We're going to protest hateful words and harmful words by being completely out of control and doing damage as much as we can. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. That is the human condition. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Everybody say, He saved us. us. You can't save yourself. Not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the Washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. You know what happens in the Newer Testament here? Is that every time you start talking about baptism, you start seeing the power of the Holy Spirit at work. Every time you start talking about the washing of rebirth, you also find out that there's a renewal of the Holy Spirit that's attached to it. Every time that you start seeing John there, and and he's about to baptize Jesus, he's talking about the one he came to baptize with repentance... But this guy that I'm not even worthy to unlash his sandals, he's going to baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and with fire. (laughs) We don't have time today to go to Romans 6 and see how that we are baptized into the death of Christ so that we can be resurrected in his new life. We could go to Ephesians 5 and talk about, we see it as a husband and a wife, but we understand that for us to be cleansed, we have to immerse ourselves. We have to baptize ourselves into the power of the word. We can go to 1 Peter 3 and learn that when you get baptized, it's clearly not for a cleansing in the physical realm. 1 Peter 3 says it's not the removal of dirt. We're not going to go out there because you need your weekly bath or monthly bath, whatever. We're going to go out there because we're pledging a good conscience before the Lord. We're saying, Lord, you're doing something spiritually on the inside of me, and I don't care who knows it. As a matter of fact, I'm making a pledge, an oath. I hereby do solemnly swear that when I go out, that something's going to be different about today. When I go out and and stand in the water and identify with your life, with your death and burial, and your resurrection, Lord, I am now saying that I'm supposed to be just like you. And anything but wholehearted devotion to you will not count. Turn to John chapter 1. <clears throat> Stay with me here. John chapter 1. Let's look at verse 29. John 1, 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know what John remembered? He remembered exactly what happened in the book of Exodus chapter 12. He understood the history of his own people. He understood that the only way that this works is if we go to that Lamb. Why do we call Jesus the Lamb of God? It's because he's the one that came to offer himself as a sacrifice to take away our sin. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. The one who was with God from the beginning. Verse 31, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. There's a purpose in baptism. And many people. It's amazing. When you do baptism the right way, it it opens up a revelation to you that sometimes you did not have before. Verse 32, Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on Him. I would not have known Him... Okay, I'm going to read that again. I I want to emphasize this to you. I would not have known Him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Do you see how this baptism in water? And John would not have known who Jesus is except that the Holy Spirit came down and rested. You know what happens in our lives? You can say you're a Christian all you want, but they won't know until you have that Spirit of God come and rest Upon you. It will mark you. It will allow you to walk in a power that you do not have before. Verse 34 I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. There's a testimony that we have here baptism, purify, a purity that we have to have, a purpose that you're supposed to be walking in, and a power that enables you to do it. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> Verse 38. Acts 2, 38. It says this, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Let me encourage you today. Repent and be baptized. Repent from the contempt that we've shown the Lord. Repent from going our own way. Be baptized, every one of you. This is another one of those really easy to find in the different language that the Bible is written in. whether the Hebrew or Greek, every one of you means exactly that. There is not an exempt person within the sound of my voice. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and we call God a liar. We are a liar to say that. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's read that again, the entirety of verse 38 again. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. For you to receive the Holy Spirit today is a gift from the heavenlies. You repent, be baptized. We're going to give an opportunity for that as well. So that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, with His power. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. There are some that try to teach us that this gift, even if there is a gift, it's not for us. It's just for a select few. This scripture says the promise is for everyone. For you, your children, anyone who's far off, this is for you. Turn to Acts chapter 8. Just a few pages over. Start in verse 14. It says this. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. (laughs) When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. In case you haven't gotten the theme yet today, we're going to celebrate water baptism but for us to push water baptism and not encourage you like the apostles did here, that you should have more than just baptism in water. That you should have the baptism in the Spirit. Verse 16, Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Turn to Acts chapter 10. Verse 44. It says this, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. You know, there are doctrinal statements that say these things, they ceased a long time ago. I can tell you that we completely, summarily reject that line of thinking. As a matter of fact, my children and I saw this take place. This, in 2016, less than 12 months ago, we were in a village in Africa, In Mozambique. In a church speaking about the very topic that I'm speaking to you about right now. Where it says, When Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on. While he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell. You know what I saw? I saw that while Pastor Eric was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell. Untouched by human hands, but touched by the hand of God. Stood to his feet and began speaking in other tongues. He, was already multi, he had multi-languages languages that he could speak. He could speak English and Portuguese and Shangan, the local African language. But you know what was different that was coming out of his mouth? He was speaking an entirely different language. Birthed in the heavens. Watered in his own heart and producing fruit out of his mouth. He immediately turned and began prophesying and praying for other people. And they too got filled with the Holy Spirit. You can talk to me about a theological argument. I can show you what I saw. Exactly what the Scripture says is exactly what can take place. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being what? Baptized in water. In this case, they were filled with the Spirit and then baptized in water. We can have this opportunity to do it in this order today. You can be filled with the Spirit in this room in just a few moments. And then you can go out and get baptized with us. Well, I didn't bring clothes. It's okay. It's just water. You got some on right now. You'll be all right. Turn to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? Pastor, you've been talking about the Holy Spirit a lot. Where I come from, I thought we got that when I asked Jesus into my heart. In each of these we see that this is a subsequent event to salvation. It's a subsequent event. In this case, these people are believers. (laughs) We didn't even hear it. I grew up in a denominational church. I worked in a denominationally based private school in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You know what I had? The conversation that I had time after time was Mr. Sutherland. Actually, it was more Ms. Sutherland. (laughs) Yes, Ms. Sutherland. Um, So my church, we talk about God. And I know about Jesus. But we don't ever even talk about the Holy Spirit this is the passage, one of the passages I was always take them to, because I'm like, this is you. And their eyes would begin to fill with tears, and realized, that's exactly what I've said in my heart. I thought that there should be something more, because I see people and they talk one way, but they live a different way. And I want to be a person of a different spirit. I want to be wholehearted, but I'm not even sure how to do that. I figured that I should just try harder, and every time I try harder, I do okay for a little while, and then I objectively fail over and over again. I'm trying. I love Him. I want to do good. I read my Bible harder. I, I pray more. And you know what I find? I still can't do what it is that's in my heart to do. I didn't even hear that there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. That this is something that I can seek after. Verse 3, so Paul asks, Then what <laughs> baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they immediately moved, right? When God speaks, there's always a go. They immediately went and got baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. We're going to baptize today in Jesus' name. Yes. Uh, pastor, it says to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yes, Matthew 28 clearly says that. And we see how the apostles and the disciples carried out Jesus' instructions. They heard Jesus. They were with Him for years. And you know what they went and did? They turned and they went and baptized in Jesus' name. Because it's not just the name. It's not the formality. What we're saying is, we're not trying to sprinkle you with a few words. What we're trying to do is say, you need to be fully immersed in the very thing that Jesus is. If you're fully immersed in Him, you know what you are? You are baptized in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are that. The completion of that is for you to be immersed in everything that is Jesus Christ. This is what the Apostle Paul did. When Paul placed his hands on them, verse 6, the Holy Spirit came on them and they all spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Aren't you glad it doesn't take a mega church full of people for God to show up? We'd be in trouble today, wouldn't we? Yeah, it's too small of a church. And we have as many visitors as we do home folks today. (laughs) Amen. All I need, the Bible says, actually all we need is two. Here there were 12. we got more than 12 in here. God's going to fall. He's going to touch your life in ways that you once just thought were legend. You thought they were just ways that had long since died. They have not died because Jesus Christ is risen. Turn to Revelation chapter 22. As we close. The preaching portion. And we open. Reopen the spirit portion. Revelation 22. Today we talked about purity. In a world that is far from pure. Don't need to go into statistics about how impure our pulpits are across the country. How impure our leaders In our civil government, the the civic government that we have, both at a city, a state, a regional, a national level, a world level, whatever group of leaders that you want to pick, it's sickening how impure they are. We have to live in purity. Purpose. People in our world go around without any purpose. They think it's to go to the job, make the next paycheck, buy the next thing. What a sad purpose. They have no idea that they're supposed to be of a wholehearted nature that says we're supposed to increase, we're supposed to fill the earth, we're supposed to subdue it. God has a purpose for you, and it's not found. You can't look within your own thoughts and find it. You have to look up to the heavens and cry out to the Lord of all creation. We've talked today about needing the power. That is a standard in our church that we will never back down from. We will never deviate from the power of the Word of God. In Revelation 22, let's look in verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Um, This is the end of the book, right? We're we're skipped to the end. We're going to find out what the the conclusion of the matter is. At the end of, of recorded time... We see Jesus speaking here. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Not according to what you've said, not according to what you tell people you believe, but what you have actually done. If you've actually walked in purity, if you're actually walking in purpose, and if you actually have his power to carry these things out, that is what he rewards. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Who wash their robes. How are you going to wash your robes today? How are you going to purify your deeds today? The only way that you can purify your purpose... Is through His power. This is the only way that we can do this. As we close, I'm going to read, reread to you Ezekiel chapter 36. Verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. And give you a heart of flesh. I know we have a lot of visitors here today. Do you need to be cleansed today? Do you need to have a new heart? Would you be like the entire nation of Israel except for Joshua and Caleb? Truth is, is, your spirit is just like those around you. Nobody in your neighborhood would ever imagine that you're actually a believer. Your deeds do not show what you think and you would hope that they would. That's why I read Revelation 22 to you. Jesus will not be fooled. We can fool ourselves and be deceived, but he is never fooled. Do you need purity today? Maybe you're here and and you're trying to do something, but you have no idea of your purpose. And you feel powerless to do anything that the Lord has called you to do. Pastor, even if I could hear what the Lord was saying to me, which is a big question mark to me right now, I have no idea how I would carry it out. Then you need God's power today. You need His Spirit to come in and fill you. And just as He did in the very few examples that I showed you, I could show you many more. But in the few examples that I showed you, you see how the Spirit is poured out and they become just like Caleb. They have a different and a new Spirit within them. They become wholehearted people.